Originally a cheap, plentiful, and man-made substitute for ivory, celluloid, one of the earliest of plastics, made its way into the manufacture of novelties. But it had one serious defect. It could burn. Welcome to the Kill It With Fire podcast, where each episode, a group of creative practitioners and academics from different disciplines, takes a look at cult, neglected or overlooked motion pictures in the last few decades of celluloid, when movies were films. War made him a soldier. Conscience made him a man. Because only the human spirit can conquer the beast of war. Jason Patrick, Stephen Bauer, The Beast. Now on video cassette from RCA Columbia Pictures Home Video. The cause, freedom, the enemy, the world's deadliest fighting machine. There is no room in a tank for conscience. Uh, the film we're talking about today, it's a listener pick, this one, uh, is The Beast, uh, also known as The Beast of War, directed by Kevin Reynolds and based on the play by William Mastrosimone. Um, and this was released in, 90, well, barely released, we shouldn't say, we'll come on to that a bit later, I think, in uh, 1988. Um uh, should we have a round of introductions? Uh, Adrian, would you like to go first? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, my name's Adrian Mills. I am, what am I? I don't know, a lecturer. I teach on the games course, but also have a fervent interest in films, especially from around this period, um, and like to, uh, I don't know, make games in my spare time, I suppose. There you go. That'll do for Fantastic. me. Fantastic. Uh, Pete, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, Peter True, uh, also lecturer, uh, yeah, writer, um, and yeah, film, film watcher. Uh, that that that's not a doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really encapsulate the, the effect that uh, films have on us us poor fellows that get hooked into them and whatever. But yeah, poor. I'm, yeah. I'm a a victim of film. I suppose a, a watcher of films. Films. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Paul Lewis. Uh, I am a, uh, for amongst my other sins, a monstrous raging cinephile. I think that that'll do for today. Um, as as uh, as <laughs> just the dead silence there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. <laughs> Absolute silence. I feel like, uh, I, I, feel like, I, feel like I need to uh, never bring my child round. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> if, if you were in if you were in the cinema watching a film and there was a a, a, <laughs> a, ra- a raging a, cinephile. Yeah, it, it, would you would you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be I'd be switching seats. There is no <laughs> shame in being a raging cinephile. <laughs> <laughs> depends how depends how raging you are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he can't go to the cinema these days anyway, so what the That's heck? That's true. You know, um, you, on the scale of raging, <laughs> are, are you... I turned turn that you, dial up to 11, baby. Oh, my God, you're, you're a full-on frother. Right, don't get the, any, the script. Has, has anybody had any interesting film-related encounters or incidents uh, since the last recording? Oh, we I watched um, we watched Love and Monsters, which was oh, right. interesting. It's got that Scott Pilgrim versus the World Zombieland vibe to it. Um, right, it's oh, so Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Some uh, one of one of my students commented that um, 
she didn't feel that any of the characters were relatable or you know you couldn't empathize with any of them um, but i really enjoyed it it was uh, i think it was nominated for an oscar wasn't it for its an effect for its effects i think it was yeah 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 um <clears throat> yeah I don't, the relatability of characters I'm, we might talk about that with a beast of war actually um <laughs> ad have you had any um interesting film related experiences since our last encounters uh not really i've not really watched much i have to say i've been quite quite busy with other other things just kind of going on so um for for comfort viewing basically i've just uh watched all the marvel films again yeah because <laughs> you know they're just there on disney and it's like you know what i'm just going to sit and watch them all again <coughs> some are better Access. as we know some some are better than others and yeah you don't have to think about them do you yeah so uh yeah sometimes sometimes that's that, that yeah, sometimes that's good in the uh, situation we are. Oh, I did watch, actually, I just remembered, I watched um, The Fourth Protocol. Oh, right. With, oh, uh, lovely. Uh, we, we covered Michael that We covered the game on our, on our other podcast that I'm on. Uh, oh, I remember the, the game. Yeah, so we covered that, and I thought, you know what, I'll go watch the film. And it was, uh, it's, yeah. it's a, I, I read the book at the time. I think I read the book. Um, it's an interesting film. So, I yeah, think the Fourth it's, it's Protocol bit... is one of one of the only films that that really has a '90s vibe to it, or oh, yeah. late late '80s. You know, with, with oh, yeah, the, so wedge, the the wedge the wedge sort of uh, transit and the and the the XR3i, you know, Ford Escort, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, um, yeah. and and the houses that have got that faux Tudor thing, you know, is yeah. the, you know, we, we've got loads of films that have a 60s vibe and all that sort of thing, but that, that was the only film I saw that had that 80s, 90s sort of... Yeah, it's 19, 1987 it was made, so... Mm, yeah. See why. I mean, it's, 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 it's okay. It has that... Uh, it has uh, The thing that stuck with me, though, sort of thing, after watching it, you know, it's, it's okay, you know, two leads are okay. Um, it's just it ends on that stupid freeze frame that films from that period just seem to oh, do does, a lot of... Yeah. Yeah. When he picks his p- picks his kid up and oh, it's all happy. The Cold War's out. Oh yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, life, yeah. life felt like that back in eighty-seven. Yeah, Michael yeah. Caine fixed it in his big puffer jacket thing. He did. He, right. Yeah, just like Jim. Pierce Bosnan's the bad guy in that, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He is. He, he plays. He yeah. plays the Russian. Yes. Yeah. 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 He plays the Russian who, and who's uh, <clears throat> the bomb. I also watched uh, Boss Level. Don't know if you watched that. That was quite good. I haven't seen that. It's mm. on uh, Netflix. Mel Gibson, um, uh, Frank Grillo, Naomi Watts. It's a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a Groundhog Day type thing. Groundhog Day, um, you know, source code type thing where Grillo is reliving the same day violently, keeps getting killed oh, in violent yes, ways. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good actually. I really enjoyed it. It's funny. Don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, you know, Mel Gibson chews the scenery when he's on. It's, <laughs> I, I would, you know, if you want a uh, good couple of hours. It's all right. I, I enjoyed that. Thought it was fun. Cool. Yeah. I um, when when sorry when you mentioned the Marvel films, it, it made me think we could do our first ever listener quiz. Put a question out there of uh, what what was the first ever Marvel based movie uh, re- made for theaters, made for you know actual release. Um, could put that out there. See if we get any answers. That's an interesting <laughs> question. Yeah. It's not what you think. No, no I don't think not. it is. No, no, I don't think it is. I remember seeing the um 
uh, was, uh, was it made for TV Spider-Man movies that they had mm. edited into mm. a feature length? Uh, yeah. I think I saw one of the one of those on the double bill at the cinema with <clears throat> Empire Strikes Back or something when I was quite young. Yeah, um, it's, it's, not the, it's not them. It's not them. No, I know. There's before that. I think I know the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, I I uh, <clears throat> over the <laughs> Easter break, I managed to finish off my journal article that I've been writing about um, the, the depiction of death in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> exploitation oh. in the 70s wow and um that was a, an interesting topic i, I worked through wow yeah no, no uh, wonder you're raging yeah <laughs> yeah house with laughing windows cannibal holocaust and emmanuel in america oh good <laughs> lord crikey there we go there's a there's uh, a triple bill for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, that, that 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 lifted me spirits. Um, so let's talk about the beast. <clears throat> Should we talk about first encounters with this uh, AD? First encounters with the beast, the beast of war. My first encounters with the beast of war was uh, last Wednesday. <laughs> so you hadn't seen it before at all. Never seen, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Was oh. completely unaware of this film. Um, uh, obviously it's Kevin Reynolds film so I think I'm aware of him but I was completely unaware of this film and, and looking at its uh, you know its gross takings and stuff like that and you know mm. <laughs> how little is out there about it it's uh, it's not surprising really it's, no, it's just nothing that's ever 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 come across my radar so you know um, well, I sat, again this was like um, the other one we watched Flashback um, yeah. uh, I just sat down to, you know, I didn't know what this was, and I just sat down to watch it. Knew nothing. I didn't even know what kind of kind of film it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was, you know, that was my my first encounter was, you know, you saying we're doing this film, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's it. I'm not already to say beyond that, I'm afraid. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, I think, because uh, it, it, it's it's well thought of, you know, if you if you look at the, some of the, the critical work on it, but it, it was buried, um, and that was lying you know, into sort of changes in management, I think, at the studio at the time, really. But uh, we'll, mate, we'll come on to that a bit later uh, when we talk about the history of the film. Uh, Pete, have you seen The Beast before? No, no. Um, so, yeah, first time yesterday. Uh, I do vaguely recall some... Um, some astute uh, raging cinema cinephile tutor mentioning it in uh, in some classes um, or something, but uh, yeah, that's it. Because uh, I mean, my first encounters with it, I, I remember the VHS release, um, and um, um, I think my dad rented it. And uh, this was around the time of um, there was that sort of period in the late eighties after Platoon, where there were sort of quite a few war pictures became popular. Um, and 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 this stood out from, you know, the crowd of those. I think for me, uh, and my dad was a big fan of this, and and uh, um, uh, uh, this this would first first viewing would have been sort of eighty nine or ninety when the when the tape first came out for rental in the UK, and um, uh, uh, it, we, it, we, he recorded it from the television and would watch it quite regularly. So <clears throat> you know, um, uh, so my sort of uh, uh, experience with the beast goes back to then um and um, it, it's it's had a dvd release um dvd copy that i've got is the uk dvd release but it's 
sort of extras free. There's no contextualization of it, which is strange given the the history of its 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 writing and its making, um, and and given the sort of the what what Reynolds went. This was his second feature film, and given what Reynolds went on to do later with his career, which mm. is to see Hollywood with Waterworld. No, sorry, that was a bad joke. Um, but uh, you know some of the big pictures that Reynolds made later. Um, it's surprising that that this hasn't been revisited. <gasps> I think. For, edition uh or maybe it isn't given the content in some ways um but uh um it's i, I don't as far as i know it's not not got a blu-ray release or hd home video release of any kind so you know the last release that, that i'm aware of at least here was the uh dvd that came out in 2003 which is i think 2003 which is nearly 20 years ago isn't it so um so <clears throat> it's another one of those kind of a bit like flashback and delusion one of those uh you know the films that we've covered before uh, a slightly forgotten film um a synopsis <clears throat> shall i do the synopsis i've got quite a lengthy one written down <clears throat> so the, the context for this is the uh is 1981 it's the second soviet invasion of afghanistan and the film opens with an attack on a pashtun village by two russian tanks one of the tanks is destroyed by the rebels um, the driver of the other tank, who's Konstantin Kovachenko, Jason, played by Jason Patrick, intervenes and tries to save the tankers, but isn't able to, and that establishes his, his sort of selflessness. Um, the tank commander, played by George Zunder, called Daskal, orders a reluctant Kovachenko to crush the eldest son of the Khan of the village beneath the tank, um, which becomes important uh, a bit later on, as, as, as we'll explain. Uh, Kovachenko allies himself with um, Samad, uh, played by Eric Avery, who's from Afghanistan. Afghanistan um, and became a, a card carrying sort of member of the Communist Party after going to university. And Samad is regarded with suspicion because he's of uh, his Pashtun background by Daska. The other members of the tank crew include the loader Golikov, uh, played by Stephen Baldwin, who, who quite com- comically but not comically drinks the tank's brake fluid. <laughs> Um, and I've never tried that, so I don't know, I don't know how that works. Um, and, and, and Kaminsky, the gunner, played by Don Harvey. And afterwards, after this attack on the village, the tank becomes separated from its column, its radio is destroyed, and they find, the tank crew find themselves lost in a valley. Um, and and uh, Taj, played by Stephen Bauer, returns to the Pashtun village. He's the son of the Khan. He finds his brother and, and, and father killed, and he's named New Khan. He vows, vows revenge, or Badal. Um, against the tank crew and forms an uneasy alliance with his cousin Mustafa, who heads a group of Mujahideen fighters, and they carry an RPG, RPG with the intention of destroying the tank. Um, and there's a, a game of cat and mouse, which takes up much of the, the film's running time. Um, but eventually, Daskal murders Samad and has Kovachenko tied to a huge rock and left for dead, essentially with a grenade beneath his head as a trap for the Mujahideen that are following them. Um, but Kovachenko manages to survive and he forms a bond with Taj after pleading for Nanawate, which is sanctuary um, from the Mujahideen. And he's learnt about Nanawate from Samad, from his friendship with Samad. And Kovachenko uh, repairs the damaged RPG for the um, rebels and the Mujahideen fighters and vows revenge on Daskal and joins them t- in hunting down the tank. And I think that that covers pretty much... I mean, you know, there's a lot there, but I think there's quite a lot to take in, I think, with this film. It's sort of deceptively complex <laughs> for, for a Hollywood war movie, I think. Um, is there anything anybody wanted to add to that uh, synopsis? Uh, no, I think that's uh, that's pretty uh, <laughs> that's pretty uh, yeah covers it all. I think. <clears throat> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of production and personnel, did anybody sort of dig up anything about um, about the production? Uh, I didn't, I'm afraid. Uh, did you, Pete? 
No, no. I mean, just in in discussion there with the about the director, it, that it just blows my mind. I, I didn't realize at the time when I was watching it with the director that he, that he made uh, Fandango. Yes, and, that was his uh, yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. And I won't coming back. You know, coming back to it later when we talk about what I took away from the film, that just kind of blows my mind a little bit because um, I, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a More weird... To follow. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a weird curve, I think, isn't there, with um, uh, Reynolds' career, from Fandango to this, and then on to, like, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld, and mm-hmm. and uh, and those pictures. I d- I, I'm not entirely 100% certain what I've seen of Reynolds' work since Waterworld. Um, uh, not that... I, I actually quite like Waterworld, I, mm. will, I will. So I, I don't think it's as does 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 oh one eight seven I have seen and I really like one eight seven um um you know uh, which was written by a teacher wasn't it based on his own experiences in an inner city school uh Councilman Monte Cristo Tristan and Gisalda. I'm not sure if I've seen anything after one eight seven and I have seen Hatfields and McCoys the TV series that uh, that that um, I don't know if you directed all of that but uh, uh, but certainly was involved in and that was a pretty good show but yeah I mean Reynolds works quite solid I think it's fair to say I mean even you know the the uh, the, the, the criticised work, Waterworld, like I say, is 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 it's not not as bad as it's made out to be. Yeah. I know it, it sort of, it's claimed claimed for. I think there's a lot more, lot worse uh, Hollywood films that have made far yeah. more money than Waterworld. So, um, I, I mean, I, I just want to sort of talk a bit about the origins of um, of the Beast in Mastro Simone's play. Um, mm. I think I'm pronouncing that. Well, in Mastro Simone, it's. I mean, it's based on a play. You wouldn't think it. I don't think when you watched it, when you watched the film. No, I, I, don't, no. I don't think I. I really sort of I've not dug into the the origins in the play until uh, we were researching this. I've, I've seen I've, you know I've seen the film. I've, I watched it thirty years ago approximately, and I've seen it many times since. But I've, I wasn't I've not really looked at Mustard Simone's um, play um, or, or its background in the play. Uh, Mustard Simone is a playwright. Um, he based in New York, I think. He wrote the play Extremities, which was a um, which was made into a film in 1986 with Farrah Fawcett in the lead role. It's uh, about a woman who turned... Sorry, sorry, uh, Extremities, yeah, I've I've heard of that. Yes, that's twigged something in my brain. Sorry, go on. Sorry, no. I would imagine imagine you've seen it before. I mean, it's about a woman who turns the tables on a would-be rapist. And it was... It's it's based on um, a true story. I think it was a story that was recounted to Mastrosimone. And and looking at Mastrosimone's work... um, you know, his his work seems to be very his research seems to be very thorough um, for 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 the plays that he's written, and I think the Beast is no oh Nanawate sorry is the, the title of the play that the, the Beast is based on. Nanawate is no exception to that because Mastrosimone wrote uh, Nanawate after seeing footage on t- television of a Soviet tank crew crushing a child. Um, or so he said. I've read different accounts of this actually. <clears throat> Um, but uh, the, the the major one that I've I've read from the horse's mouth in interviews with Mastro Simone was that he saw a, a footage on TV of a Soviet tank crushing a, a child during the Russian invasion of Afghanistan in '79, and he saw a, an interview with a Mujahideen leader and saw something of what he said <clears throat> he referred to as the George Washington spirit in his comments. You know, the, this sort of resistance against a greater force or a larger force, I should say. And he was provoked into action. And Mastrosimone managed to get him smuggled into Afghanistan through Pakistan. Um, 
because he said, quoting, I had to witness this fight between a superpower and a 12th century power. And he was smuggled into the country with the assistance of um, Hekmatyar, who was an Afghan warlord who was um, being used by the CIA at the time to funnel weapons to the Mujahideen um, to use in their fight with the Soviet invaders. Um, and while in Afghanistan, Mustrasimone witnessed the aftermath of uh, the Mujahideen's successful attack on a, a Russian tank column, the tanks were destroyed with explosives and the Mujahideen took took 11 Russian prisoners and they present the, the story goes that they presented um, some of these prisoners at least to uh, Mr. Simone to interview and told him that when the interviews were over those young men would be killed and Mr. Simone was uh, sort of distraught at this and, and quite horrified and, and turned away and as he turned his back the, these these young sort of tank crew members who he said were only sort of in the late teens early 20s were machine gunned um, and he turned around and, and they were dead um, and Mr. Simone was taken uh, by the majority through the mountains and to a point where he was exhausted and he couldn't go any further i mean this is a film in itself this story of, of his research for the play um and his guides left him with a pistol with with two bullets i think intended him to commit suicide um but he was discovered by a boy and taken to a village where he was treated by a uh, a, a doctor, uh, a Pashtun doctor who was uh, who had actually been educated in England, so he spoke fluent English. Um, and on the return journey the, to the through this uh, through the mountains, the Mujahideen, the contacts that Mr. Simone had made, collected him, um, and he 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 sort of he came back to America. Wrote the, he'd already written a draft of the play before he went, but he redrafted it after based on his experiences in, in Afghanistan. And um, the play was first performed in in uh, Los Angeles, and after that first performance Kevin Reynolds approached Mr. Simone about a film uh, adaptation and the film began production for Columbia but but during production <clears throat> or somewhere between production and release the studio changed ownership um, and, and the new heads of the studio weren't keen on the project and buried it um, they only released I think they only showed it in two cinemas in America because they were focusing on the, the, the thought it was it would steal some of the thunder of Stallone's Rambo 3 which was also set in Afghanistan, I'm sure you remember. Um, uh -huh. uh, they the felt that the Beast would steal some of the thunder of that film, and that was their big sort of tentpole picture, uh, if you like. So they buried the release of, of The Beast and, and just showed it in two cinemas in America. Um, I mean, apparently, according to some of what I've read, the, you know, the film's got quite a big following in Afghanistan, where it's uh, supposedly screened, um, you know, in, in, on the anniversary of, of the Soviet withdrawal from the country. Uh, but I don't know <laughs> how true that is, but it, I, I can sort of sort of believe it in a way. Um, but Mr. Simone adapted his own play into the film script. And I think this is one of those <clears throat> rare feats of a, a stage adaptation, which avoids being in any way stagey. When you watch it, it doesn't feel like... A, I know there's a, it's dialogue heavy and there's, a, there's, there's sort of limited settings like inside the tank and by the water hole and so on. But I don't think it feels stagey. I don't know if any of you, if, if either, either of you have any sort of feelings about that. Um, mm. If you No, I, I mean, I don't, but I, I, I'd wonder... I mean, it, I do feel, I, I felt it went a bit, um, I think it was stronger sort of thing when it was in those stagey bits. And I think that it, it, it kind of went off in a direction that I was, well, didn't think it was going to win that in the last last third when it becomes a bit more action-y. That would be interesting yes, yeah. whether that's a, a divergent, diverges from the play, because obviously I, I can't see him doing that running running chase through the uh, through the canyon. No, uh, no. That would be interesting to see whether that would be how, how the hell would do that on a, on a stage. I've no idea. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought it, yeah, it, it was it, 
but with, you know, with a lot of these things, like you know, which are clearly based on plays or anything, like that, it's, they're always stronger when they're just uh, you know, you can see the play the play bits coming through. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I sometimes find in these kind of films, and so those 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 dialogue heavy bits, those talky bits, those those sort of sequences where you know it's actors acting against each other sort of thing are always the stronger parts of these these films i feel um but uh, i suppose that goes back a little bit to talk radio and its origins yeah, yeah. In, in the play you know with another bald winning in, in it as well another one of many bald wins <laughs> yeah glenn glary glenn gary glenn ross any, any yeah. you know films where you can see the play kind of coming through and you you know those you know, obviously it's doing a bit more realism because it's, you know, it's in situ. So it's, you know, it's actually in, in mountains rather than on a stage, but you get that, you get the power of the sort of the actor having, you know, some, some lines that were written to be delivered, you know, in, in, in a play setting, should we say, but on yeah. film and it kind of, it kind of, there's a bit, there's usually a bit more power behind those lines that I always find mm-hmm. in these kind of films. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a strange one, but, I, I've I've no idea how they would do this. It would mm. have to be changed considerably for, for the yeah. playoffs. Or... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've not I've not managed to track down a copy of the play because it's out of print. So I've not I, unfortunately I can't answer those questions. But like you say, the, the the sort of the final third with the chase and the helicopter and, and so on. You know, it feels very Hollywood, doesn't it? not? It, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it, mm. it feels it feels very um, sort of like like something that action's been put into the film. And it yes. works, I think. I think it works well. I mean, you know, not to criticise it. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. I think what apparently what um, some of what Mistrosi Mone sort of worked into the play from what I've read, <clears throat> based on his experiences in Afghanistan, was this this notion of the Pashtun Wali, the code of honour of the Pashtun peoples of Afghanistan. And there were three tenets there, which Samad explains to Kovachenko in the story. And and um, there's Milmastia, which is hospitality, of course, uh, Badal, which is blood revenge, and then Awate, which is sanctuary. Uh, and that was the title of the play on which the, the, the film's based. And that becomes relevant in the film itself. It's, it's explained that that concept of the Pashtun Wali and those three tenets are explained to Kovachenko by Samad. And that even in the grip of Badal, or blood revenge, a quest for Nanawate, must be honoured. Um, and, and that leads to Kovachenko seeking Nanawati from Taj and the Mujahideen, of course, uh, later in the film, which they're quite surprised that he, he understands that concept. And there's that dialogue that takes place between Kovachenko and Samad. And, 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 and Kovachenko asks, what if I kill your brother and you come for revenge and I ask for Nanawati? And, and Samad says, then I would be obliged to feed, clothe and protect you. And Kovachenko says, that's that's incredibly civilised. You know, and, 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 and that underscores that... Uh, theme of blood revenge i think that 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 um that bubbles under the film you know not just in terms of uh taj's revenge uh, uh mustafa's uh, att- attempts for revenge against the tank crew for the for the for the the harm that's been uh, enacted against the the village at the start of the picture but also if you think about um Descal, the tank commander, George Sun's a character. His background as a in uh, the Second World War as a, as a child, uh, as, as uh, who, who earned the nickname Tank Boy mm-hmm. uh, because he was lowered onto tanks uh, by his family as a child with explosive the Nazi tanks uh, to, to, to 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 destroy those. Um, which, which leads, I mean, it has that. I haven't seen it for a few years, and it's hard for me to watch that moment at the end where um, Kovachenko says to Daskal why are we the Nazis this time or something along those lines without mm. thinking 
ritual and web sketch <laughs> are, we mm, yeah. are we the bad guys and, but yeah. it was difficult for me to watch it without without thinking about these uh, yeah you know, well it, is this a good mention a good time to mention then my my shame in in watching the film um was was early on with the with the attack on the village when the women come out and throw rocks at the yeah. at the tank um, I, I which, couldn't which help. references story, Pete. It references the David and Goliath um, yeah. story. Keeps cropping up, you know, this idea that you've got this um, uh, highly civilized military force and, and uh, against the uh, Mujahideen who are armed with, you know, puny sort of uh, uh, weapons. But but the, 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 yeah. the David and Goliath story is, is kind of referenced explicitly in the in the dialogue of the film and the play, I assume too. So when the women come out and throw rocks at the tank, it, it foreshadows that. Sorry, Pete, you were going to say. Well, it, just just because it it, it it was something that leaped to mind, but but with you mentioning. Mentioning the Mitchell and Webb um, thing, it, it kind of seems to let me off the hook a little bit in admitting that that just made me think of uh, Life of Brian. Uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can see, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. But um, I, I, I did, I did sort of try to uh, redeem myself with, you know, the observation that, you know, the, the film, to its credit, you know, makes you sort of put leave that behind quite quickly you know that you suddenly very quickly realize it's you forget sort of uh, life of brian and all that um, as it develops yeah, but yeah, yeah yeah you can't deny that, that it, it makes well, it, the, the mind works in funny ways i think doesn't it i think when, when you're a rage raging rampant cinephile peter you can't help <laughs> make <it>. these connections <laughs> upside you up to me club yeah, I um, didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this this intertextuality. I mean, I don't get get on a massive sidebar, but intertextuality can be a deliberate thing on the part of the author. But of course, it's also a, mm. a strategy on the part of the viewers and the readers. You know, in in the sense that you can't help but see these uh, connections, even if they're not intentional. And this is kind of like the um, you know when you read um, the IMDb and the movie connections. Um, trivia section or whatever it is and you think well i don't think that was necessarily sort of what the author intended but you know as as somebody with who's versed in you know uh, film history it's difficult sometimes to see uh certain iconography or certain themes and not think of uh the life of brian or not think of you know uh, uh you know mitchell and webb even mm. if it was much later than than the beast and that's that's just the way the brain works it's sort of a it makes, uh, it makes me feel better parable. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how, I mean, how shallow am I? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, this this was shot in in Israel, um, and and Dale Dye was the military advisor on this, and I'm sure you know we know about Dale Dye. I mean, obviously a Vietnam vet. He's a Marine, wasn't he in Vietnam? Um, yeah, acted in numerous films and functioned as a military advisor on Platoon, 84 Charlie Mopic. I really like that film. Maybe that's what we should look at in the future. Casualties of War, born on the 4th of July. You've seen 84 Charlie Mopic? No. It, it's, it's a really, it's a Vietnam War movie, but it's all, it's, it's, um, uh, you, you would call it found footage because it's all shot from the point of view of a, 84 Charlie Mopic is the designation given to the cameraman who's making a documentary or shooting footage of these troops in Vietnam. So it's all all presented from his his camera's perspective. So it's a found footage movie, essentially, but a Vietnam War movie. It's really good. Um, uh, Dai was also uh, military advisor, born on the 4th of July, Thin Red Line, Saving Private Ryan, Starship Troopers. Just drop that one in there. Yeah. Um, 
And and the rumor has it that Dai actually negotiated the use of the two tanks that he used in the film. So there were two captured Russian T fifty fives that had been captured by the Israeli Defence Force um, in some sort of battles with in, in, in Egypt, I think. Um, and uh, he negotiated the use of these two tanks uh, from Israeli officers over a couple of beers in the bar of the King David <laughs> Hotel in Tel Aviv. And this is a quote from his production diaries. Um, and he said, Di went on to say, I hadn't realised until that moment that working as a military advisor on films might employ me as an international arms dealer. It's a fantastic <laughs> quote there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the combat feels authentic, I think, in this, doesn't it? It has that sort of, mm. that, that quality of those late 80s, um, you know, platoon, uh, Bond on the 4th of July, those those late 80s pictures that feel sort of, you know, you can see Di's hand. They don't feel like the Green Berets, do they? Or, you know, um, mm. earlier Hollywood. <laughs> um, I think it's it's worth mentioning the cultural incongruities. I don't think we can sort of ignore uh, what we would call whitewashing these days. This Stephen mm. Bauer playing Tange. Um, I think he's very good in the role, but you know, mm. uh, I don't I don't think you would you one would do that today. Um, to I, think, have a, I think it, it uh, does lead to an interesting thing that the that the two characters are, are very similar, you know, and and, and that really yeah, visually rather, and that. That presents some interesting. Baron Patrick. Yeah, it it presents some interesting sort of ideas in terms of yeah the the the, the leader of the rebels or or the the, the more sympathetic guy in of, of the rebels that that he bonds with that that gives um the the rifle at the end. Uh, they look yeah yeah they look sort of very similar to each other, uh, especially when he takes his head wear off, doesn't he, to to throw at the tank. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's like you've got two, that whole sort of thing of yeah. you know, once we once we take the uniforms off and all that sort of thing, aren't we all really the same sort of thing? And maybe that whitewashing aids exactly. that idea. Yeah, you could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, certainly, I, I, I yeah, mean, I, I, I could see the physical it, resemblance between Baron and Patrick. I, I mean, I, I would just say sort of thing that it's, uh, you know, it's a film shot with actors um mm. for, for myself and I, I think that you know the fact that there there's no it took it took because i knew nothing of it it actually took me a while to realize it was a russian tank mm. um because I, because they're all speaking american and i, I wasn't sure what, what this was all about I oh well this is set. interesting who, yeah. who were it's very because there's very yeah. little setup in that beginning sequence and so it took me a while until you know the way yeah. they sort of started yeah. saying names and i was like hang on who are these people? Because they're all speaking American, so they're you know uh, well not speaking American, but they've all got American. Mm. There's no there's not even an attempt to uh, you know a um, a Sean Connery Russian accent. <laughs> um, so so that you know yeah. there's, there's there's nothing in there sort of thing to actually state this is set here or anything. It's just people some you know some people in a tank and, and I thought it was some kind of weird. I, I didn't I wasn't even sure if it was some kind of strange sci-fi film at first. Yeah. Um, because the way they turn up in the tanks with the the masks <clears throat> on everything, I wasn't sure what I was watching. That opening yeah. sequence gives nothing away, and so yeah. in 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 light of that sort of thing, I never took any sort of you know oh they're just these are just people playing roles, and so it, it to me it was it through you know they're not mm-hmm. even attempting to show anything realistic of that. Um, of that culture or that language or that place or you know to me it was just like oh these are just you know actors playing roles so i i didn't have any real issue with any kind of casting you know i mean jason patrick is some you know russian guys like you know george zunza sort of thing you know there's no 
to me, there wasn't even an, an attempt. And I think by by doing it so blatantly, it kind of sidestepped that whole thing for me. That's that's how, that's how I felt. Um, whether that's an appropriate well, way I was to do it, but uh, coming at it with no preconception. No. Well, I think it aims for universality, doesn't it? I think this is this is this is the thing that you could uh, you could say that you know. It, although the only thing that anchors the setting um, is that there's that title card at the start, which is a quote from Kipling, isn't it? When you're wounded and left on Afghanistan's plains, and the women come out to cut up your remains, just roll to your rifle and blow out your brains and go to your god like a soldier. But that 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 anchors the setting to some extent, and also anchors the focus on sort of imperialist violence, doesn't it? As well and, and sort of imperialism really and uh, it does um, i mean but there's certainly it does but you see you see i was gonna say that there's a universality to it in, in that you know you can look at the film obviously on a superficial level it's about uh the russian invasion of afghanistan but it's also about the american experience in vietnam isn't it and it's also about um Cowboys and Indians, essentially. You know, if you if you look at the the uh, Mujahideen as as essentially um, the structure of it's that of a, a Western with the the cavalry and the Native Americans, the Apaches chasing them through, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah. the West, the West Western plains of America. Um, so there's this this universality to it, which I think is reinforced by the language, which is kind of what I was going to. Uh, that was the next step I was going to say was that, of course, one of the other incongruities is all the Russians speak English with no accents, which is exactly what you've just said, Ad. Um, but the Afghans speak Pashto, and um, mm. some versions of the film. Now I don't know how it played in cinemas because I, I didn't see it in cinemas, but some versions of the film have the Pashto. Uh, Pashto dialogue subtitled in English and others don't and and because uh, you you when you were watching it you had, you sent me a message didn't you saying should there be subtitles here and and, and um, I'm not entirely sure yeah. whether there should whether the subtitles are at, have been added by home video companies you know because I think it plays well without subtitles mm. when you don't know what what's being said uh, in the yeah, I watched dialogue. it without yeah. um, I, I I think I think yeah, you, it played you, you get you, yeah, you, you get the. It makes um, sense. Yeah, you, you get the feel of you know the the. Yeah, it does. You 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 understand what's going on by, by mm. the tone, by the body language and everything, and, and what you know what you've just seen, what you've just seen happen to the village. You know, it's not it's not hard to put together. Uh, okay, yeah. and so you know, and, and then when yeah. the the guy with the sunglasses comes in, Kantai, you know, comes in and he's like, oh, you know, we're going to go do do this. You can you can you can spot the mm. the power plays that uh, work here sort of thing. You know the people, the innocent people in the village, and the ones that were probably waging the war out in the mountains and stuff, doing all the insurgent stuff or whatever you want to call it, the resistance, Mujahideen, the more yeah. overt resistance, should we say? Um, the, yeah, the Mujahideen. Yeah, so you can see you can yeah. you can put that together. But because even, I mean, you know, it, even it, if it's not Mujahideen, this is what I'm saying yeah. sort of thing at first. Um, and yeah, I get mm. I, there was that there was the thing from Kipling at the start, but. You see so many films with, you know, title cards that might have, you know, some tangential, and that could have just been a, you know, for me, I just oh, read yeah. that as like, is it just a comment on war? I, you know, I, I wasn't, it, you know, it's that exactly. desert. Yeah. So I think, yeah. are we in Afghanistan? And I'm not not too sure. It doesn't, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't feel like it, but so I didn't. That that quote at the beginning didn't in, in, immediately place the film as happening in Afghanistan for myself. I just thought, is that just something they've stuck at the beginning as to, as a oh, you know, this is what happens in in a war, and it's by Rudyard Kipling, so it sounds good. Yeah, um, I don't know. That, it, it, you know, and, and that's yeah, so exactly. to me at first, I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, 
Um, it had, it did have the feel, and because it was the 80s as well, and this is what I felt sort of thing, is that, and because of the way they were dressed, the, the gas master was, like I said, it felt like some kind of strange, you know, you know, almost early 80s post-apocalyptic sci-fi. <laughs> there was a sense of that to it to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, and I've yeah. been watching weird sci-fi films recently, well, but well, there was a sense of something other, other and, and really strange in no, that opening no, sequence, because no. it was so brutal. It didn't feel human. It didn't feel human. I think that was the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that opening sequence. I, I think you you're very right in in saying that gas mask that Zunza wears um, as Dascal. You know, for the first ten fifteen minutes of the film, it, it 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 makes him seem very alien, doesn't it, and threatening. I think that's the point, isn't it? You know that uh, yeah. um, what we see is a a very peaceful. It's face. It's it's beautifully photographed that sequence. You've got a very peaceful village. The goats in the in the hills, and it's very quiet. And then all of a sudden, you've got this bombing raid, and and these two tanks that come in, and and uh, you know this exceptional uh, exceptional violence. I mean, it's you know even even for today's cinema looking at it is so incredibly violent because men women and children are, are killed uh flamethrowers are used uh you know uh people are gunned down the the, the animals are, are, are shot uh um uh and then you've got that that uh that that moment the climax is it where um kovachenko is the as the driver of the tank the other one's been destroyed at this point who's ordered by daskal to um drive the tank tanks tracks over Shazaman, who's uh, Taj's brother and uh, cush him beneath mm. the tank and um, I mean it's such incredible uh, by that I mean astounding uh, violence and at the start of the film um, and I think it it, it 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 challenges because at that point you don't know who well, there are no good guys and bad guys, really, other. But at, the, at that point, you don't know who to sympathise with. Well, of course, you clearly sympathise mm. with the, the people in the village. But the, the uh, amongst the, the tank villages, crew, yeah. the tank crew who are the that, yeah, yeah. So the tank crew, are the antagonists, quite clearly the antagonists. And then it's only later that they're developed as characters, isn't it? The, the members of the tank crew, and you realise that Samad and Kovachenko are the sympathetic members of the tank crew. And uh, in the middle, there's there's Baldwin's character, isn't it? I was get uh, uh, Kaminsky, isn't it? I was get Golikov and Kaminsky mixed up. Um, and the, no, the other end of the spectrum, yeah, we've got the other. Yeah, Kaminsky and, yeah, drinks the, Kaminsky. the brake fluid. <laughs> and, and Daskal is 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 the antagonist, really. But even even he's given a sense of depth, isn't he? With that that later in the film, when he's, he explains. Um, you know the, his experiences as a child. Yeah, on the eastern front in Stalingrad. Um, you know, even even he's given his moment to sort of explain his not rationalise his cruelty, but you start to to understand when he explains that in, in Stalingrad he was he was uh, he earned the nickname Tank Boy because he was he was lowered on I think he says he was six or seven or eight years old onto German tanks with explosives aiding in, in their destruction. There's an irony there of him becoming a tank commander later, of course, and then the the reference at the end that. When uh, Kovachenko says, "You know, are we, why are we the Nazis now?" I think is the is the line that he says. Um, you know, so there's, a, there's a lot of irony in that, but uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a really impactful sequence, and it establishes that from the get go that 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 notion of a technologically rich, powerful military force invading a, a, a territory that that is poorly equipped to sort of repel that force, if you like. Um, uh, and, and it just becomes a, a moment of exceptional cruelty, doesn't it? 
going back to eighties, sort of, it could almost be a sci-fi thing. Um, the the the, uh, the score for me um, uh, at the very beginning made me it it seemed a bit reminiscent of, of Blade Runner, you know, uh, the the sound. Oh of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's quite ethereal, isn't it? Yeah, mystical. Mm. Yeah, yeah. By Mark Isham, mm-hmm. the score. Um, just looking at his other credits, actually. He's done loads of stuff, Mark Isham. Um, Blade, he did the score for Blade. <laughs> I'll tell you what he, he did the score for, and I'm just looking at his credits now, The Hitcher. And that's got a similar sort of ethereal, mystical score. Yes, that's a good score, The Hitcher. It's a good score for The Hitcher, yeah, yeah. And you, you can see that in this, I think. Um I mean, I mentioned Westerns earlier, and, and, and I said, you know, this, essentially this, this takes the form of a Western with the Mujahideen like the Native Americans and the, the tank crew like the cavalry. Um, but it also reminds me of the, the Zapata Westerns, which I think I mentioned in a previous um, uh, recording. You know, the, these Westerns of the 60s where the hero would be educated politically, they would sort of be set against a, uh, a, a, a like a soldier blues kind of follows that uh, uh, format, where the, the, the cavalry officer becomes sympathetic to the Native Americans and realises that, you know, it's, it's essentially being sort of brainwashed into treating these other human beings as his enemy, if you like. Um, and here you've yeah. got that because I mean, it goes, it goes back his, his transition. Yeah, it goes back to things like, um, is oh. it, uh, is it uh, the Richard Harris one, Man Called Horse? Man Called Man Horse, Horse, yeah, yeah. There, there were loads of those Westerns. And then, yeah, Man Called well, Horse, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then obviously Dances with Wolves would come. Yeah, you know, well, it's got that. that I, thing, I there, was, there were certain moments that made me think that it was going to develop Avatar. into a sort of e- e- enemy mind sort of thing. Enemy Mind, uh, another Cold War set story. Um, well, not so Cold War set, but made during the Cold War. But it's a metaphor for that, isn't it? Um, mm. Enemy Mind. Um, yeah, it's a good film. It. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, at, at the time, of course, you know, we've got we had quite a few films uh, from America about the Soviets in Afghanistan. Didn't we? we had Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren. I don't know if you remember that. Um, uh, uh, we also Rocky, had Rambo Three. Was it Rocky Four? Which was the, the Rocky. I mean, at the time, in, in a lot of those films, the, the Mujahideen were the heroes because they were fighting off the, the Russian bear, if you like. And, and there's a reference to that, isn't there, in the uh, in the dialogue at one point where Samad says that, um, um, uh, oh, what's the line? I'm sure I'll put that in my notes. But, uh, you know, he says he wants to see his, uh, his home country move into the 20th century because at the moment they're like a flea on the tail of a, tail of a bear. Um, yeah. Or so, the, the classic uh, the uh, bit at the end of uh, Rambo, Rambo Three, isn't it, where it's dedicated to the brave men and women of the Mujahideen or something? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the film at the end. I think you know this. This you know to me, just as a saying sort of thing. As we, yeah, but I think Rambo Three is a is the I think was the closest I could sort of come to. I'm not sure of other films made around this time that were examining. But I suppose yeah, that Dolph Lundgren one. But I've forgotten all about that and for good cause. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the best. 
Um, but I mean, at the time, of course, the Russians had installed the, this communist puppet regime in Kabul, but they were repelled by the guerrilla tactics of the Mujahideen, who, who were supplied with weapons by the US. And, and as I say, Mastruzzi um, Mone was snuck into Afghanistan by one of the uh, tribal leaders that, that was known for working with the CIA. Um, and the interests of the, the US were, were, of course, to prevent the spread of Soviet power and communism uh, at that point. So you had this technologically rich, powerful military force that was eventually forced to withdraw by poorly equipped fighters using guerrilla tactics um, and, and for that reason the Russian incursion into Afghanistan is often compared with uh, the American war in Vietnam and you can see that in this film I think the, the, the clear parallels and as you were saying Aidy, the, 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 the casting and the, the use of American English for the Russian characters I think reinforces those parallels with Vietnam and that opening sequence with the, um, the massacre of the village I think is quite clearly um, uh, uh, for me it seems quite clearly uh, intended to um, sort of reference melee and some of those other atrocities that that that, that were committed in Vietnam by uh, American forces I think and I think I think that's a reference point for that that opening massacre of the village not not just melee because you know these things have gone on throughout history but uh, you know that that being such a, a a hot button topic i think even in the 80s i think it's uh, it, it's a reference there um but uh, you know that 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 withdrawal the soviet withdrawal from afghanistan left that vacuum that enabled the taliban to, to seize power um and and kovachenko at the end sort of so can reflect on that and that, there's that final moment of dialogue between him and Descal where uh, kovachenko says sorry sir not much of a war no stalingrad of course referencing mm. Um, you know, uh, Descal's experiences as a, as a child in the Second World War. How is it that we're the Nazis this time? There's there's the line. I'm trying to be a good soldier, but you can't be a good soldier in a rotten war, sir. I want you to live to see them, the, the Mujahideen, win. And I think that's quite a powerful moment, that. I think that's quite... Uh, the dialogue in this is really well written, I think, but that's must trust him own name, write the script based on his own play. Um... And as you said, Aidy, you know, Descal at the start is rendered inhuman by that hideous gas mask, um, I think, which he, he loses a bit later. But it's yeah. a sort of a symbol of his lack of humanity, I think, as well. Um, I mean, is there anything that you wanted to pick up, uh, Pete, there? About the character of Descal, perhaps? Or? Um, what, I think it was interesting with that opening and, and with the... With the running um, over of the of the of the guy with the, with the tank as well, because it it, it it was a, a very odd um, uh, sort of it was a hard thing to consider that because you you've got um, he he destroys the other tank, doesn't he? Uh, yes, yeah. With with fire, and and you hear the crew of that tank, you know, uh, one of them screaming, "I'm on fire," uh, or "I'm I'm, I'm burning." Um, so you've got that sense of well, he deserves to die, or you know he's he's the enemy sort of thing, directly sort of opposed with the the, the horrific way that they're, they're going to do it, you know. Yeah, the um, the, the, o- the overkill make, means that you sort of lose any sense of sympathy. I think for the, the yeah need for vengeance, but I mean the whole thing's the whole film is driven by vengeance, isn't it? Really, it's one act of violence leading to another, which connects back to what Samad explains to Kovachenko about Badal and blood, blood, blood revenge and its centrality mm. as one of the three tenets of the Pashtun Wali. And mm-hmm. uh, you know because of course Daskal's uh, uh, order to drive the tank over uh, to Kovachenko to, to crush Shazaman 
under the treads of the tank is driven by revenge. So it's an escalation. And then, and for, for sorry, uh, for me that that the, you know the the moment of the the, the tank driving, in, there was no sense of Hollywood violence or anything there. It no. was a really uncomfortable. It was, you know, how much are they going to show? And it was, it was it, it in no way entertaining. It was like, oh my god, this no. is horrible. Uh, and really, later, uh, that, uh, sorry, Pete. Yeah, sorry, Karen. No, no. I was just going to say, you, you see the, the the after after effects, don't you? Later on, you see that the corpse um, when Taj comes back to the village, and it, it's yeah. a really gruesome scene, isn't it? And you think, oh my word! I was gruesomely looking out for that, but I didn't see it. Do you, you see the corpse yeah, of the man run over a, by the tank? Well, it's it's just a yeah, it's just a flat pile of meat on the floor. Just a blue, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, because yeah. I was expecting to, it's, I was expecting to see that, and we didn't. I, I didn't, you know, I missed that. It's just, just, it's only, just it's only in one rest. shot. Yeah, yeah. Just one shot in it. Just pop. You just there in. Yeah, yeah, but it's. I mean, it's so uh, incredibly impact. It's not Hollywood. It's not not glamorized, sanitized mm. violence. I don't think. Mm. Um, and, and then after, is it after the first tank's been destroyed? Um, that you know, one one of the characters, um, I don't know if it's Golikov, but they use the flamethrower, don't they, in one of the 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 the, the buildings and 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 sort of set fire to it, and, yeah. this, and some a woman stumbles out on flames, and I mean it's such incredible, um, upsetting violence. I think, um, you know, and I think it needs to be, you know, mm. um, it, it 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 makes the point that uh, needs to be made. I think. Um, I mean, Descal. I think I, I don't know about yourselves, but uh, I mean, I, I I see quite a lot of Captain Ahab in, in Descal. You know, from mm. Moby Dick, because he's obsessed with that, the tank and its security. And when the crew run out of food and water, so and there's that great moment when the helicopter lands towards the end of the film. They're going to fly the guys back, and. Um, um, I'm just looking through my, my my notebook for the for the for the line, but uh, uh, I think is it Kaminsky says um, you know what, uh, what why can't we go back with a helicopter? They have to offer to lift the tank crew to safety, uh, and then call in an airstrike on on the tanks and the tank. And 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 the commander says uh, Daskal says nobody wastes my tank, and Golikovsky uh, Kaminsky we're, we're going home, sir. Mm. And Daskal says, in a tank. And the other guy says, why can't we go home in a fucking helicopter? And Daskal says, because we're tankers. You know? And it's like, yeah. and at that point, they realise how, how much, yeah. like Ahab, he is, because he's got to get that tank back through the valley um, mm. where they've come through. And the tank's leaking fuel. You know, it's um, uh, quite an incredible. And then they yeah. come across the waterhole. Sorry. What is that clear similarity? Sorry, Pete, what are you going to say? The similarity with... The Quint from, from Jaws, you know, the... The, the shark hunter, you know. It's oh, yeah, just like... yeah. But they come across that on the way back through the valley and the helicopter's landed and the crew have been drinking from the, the water hole and they've died. <laughs> and then Mustafa, um, uh, the Mujahideen mm. fighter, um, says, oh, you know, Ty says, oh, we've got to go. And this, the, the, it's wounded. It's it's leaking um, fuel so we can follow the tank and destroy it with this RPG-7 that they've been carrying around that Kovachenko has fixed for them. And... Um, Mustafa says, oh, he forgets about the Badal because he's got this helicopter. <laughs> he gets in the helicopter, doesn't he? Oh, I've got the helicopter. Let's let's forget about this revenge that, you know, it's driven much more. Yeah, they really look like so, uh, kids, yeah. like, with the new toy, don't they? They're well pleased with themselves. Yeah, and I think Samad's quite an interesting character. I don't know if, you, if any of you've got any thoughts about Samad. AD, do you have any thoughts about Samad? I don't know. I thought Samad's character was 
I don't want to say um, plot character, a necessary character to give some exposition. And then, you know, just to sort of, oh, that Zunder is really evil, isn't he? Shot him. I, I, he's there to, you know, uh, to to give some pertinent plot information and a, you know, the Nanawatani, whatever the word is, um, to, to our hero. Um, and then his job is done, and let's get him out of the way. I, I didn't, I didn't get much from him as a character. I thought he was a bit, seemed a bit shoehorned into me. I can understand, you know, that they. I, I don't know enough about, you know, Russian tank crews in the Afghanistan wars. You know, whether they would have a sort of an Afghani, um, you know, advisor on board with them at all times to sort of show them around. I don't know these things, so it's probably. But from a, you know. From a story story point of view, he felt a bit. I don't know. You know, it just felt a bit to to drive that part of the and to give our hero when he's you know all hopes in. But he just felt like a, a plot device to me. I don't know whether that's just me. Yeah, it it, it just makes some um, sort of explains some of the uh, the cultural context. I think doesn't it? To Kovachenko, so he's, he's there to deliver that because Kovachenko asks why Samadwai Shazaman was uh, smiling when when he was crushed by the tank, and Samad explains yeah. that he was happy. And says such men believe that if they die in the holy war, they will go to paradise. And later on, he explains explains Pashtunwali and the, the three tenets of that: Malmastia, Badal, and, and Nanawate. Um, uh, I, th- I think as well, it could have been easy to portray Samad as as a traitor of his own people. Especially gives uh, his script gives that character a bit of complexity because you know he tells Kovachenko of his desire to see Afghanistan enter into the 20th century and sees the Russian invasion as a means of doing it. He's also a member of the Communist Party, which kind of explains his presence on the tank. His, his kind of his loyalty to the cause, the Soviet cause, is never questioned. Really, Gal's killing of Samad as a sort of communist uh, is is all the more problematic, uh, which is why Descal flips his lid when Kovachenko records the event in the logbook. Um, but I mean, there's 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 some good interesting in dialogue between Samad and Kovachenko. I mean, there's that, that moment where Samad um, explains that I love Afghanistan, but we're fleeing the tail of the bear. We must join the 20th century. And Kovachenko asks him, so you're a patriot. So was that rebel. He's referring to Shazaman. Uh, he wanted to keep things the way they've always been. I wish I believed in something that much. And Samad says, then why did you crush him? And Kovachenko says, I had no choice. Referring to the fact that uh, uh, Daskal ordered him to do so. Uh, but Samad reminds him, we, we always have a choice. So Samad's kind of there as a, I think, as a, um, as as the conscience of the film in many ways. Um, what about Taj and Mustafa? Does anybody have any sort of feelings about uh, those two characters? I think we've talked about the the whitewashing and the, uh, uh, as they call it, as as we would call it these days, in terms of Stephen Bowers casting as Taj. Um, but I think that that sort of uh, dualistic relationship between Taj and Mustafa is quite interesting. I think we've probably touched on it earlier. Pete, did you have any sort of feelings about that relationship between Taj and Mustafa? Uh, no, no, uh, but, well, not sort of beyond uh, what I said before about that. For one, it was personal. Um, yeah. And for one, for, and for for the other, it was, you know. What could we get from this as a as a as a way to strike back at them on a more general sense and and also you know like you said when they get the helicopter they're just happy well well let's let's forget the revenge don't worry about that anymore we've got a helicopter yeah, um, yeah. but for but for the other one you know it, it was obviously quite a more personal personal vendetta and 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 that and sort of thing so the the you know and what, there's that sequence as well where that one uh, one of the Majid, Majidine, uh is 
uh, he's, he's lying there dying and, and has, oh he's been shoots, wounded shoots. by that trap that Daskal set yeah. with misfired okay. shell yes yeah yeah and then he, he shoots him in the head and they, Mustafa, they come running Mustafa. back because yeah, yeah so they come running back don't they sort of thing because they, they can't believe you know, to me it seemed like they weren't happy that he just killed him and he don't care yeah. he just shoots him he sees him as like well that's what needs to be done it's much more yeah. of a you know there's the there's you know there's the personal this is this is hell god you know but i'm doing this because this needs to be done with you know but i don't want to be doing this it's all about feeling and it's about revenge and personal personal whereas the other one it's more no this is just a, a thing you know for the country for the good of the war for whatever i'll do you know and actually yeah. pro- probably quite enjoying it as well by the looks of it the way he was portrayed yeah. seemed to be like he, he was quite into the uh the conflict he didn't mind it so yeah, I, was, I mean, I mean quite, the, quite a quite a nice di- you know uh, duality there. I thought between those two characters was all right. Yeah, I think I think the film's quite clear to sort of establish this ideological difference between the rebels and the mujahideen, um, in the sense that the rebels are reacting to uh, the Russian invasion, but the mujahideen, uh, as as Taj sees them as as provoking violence and provoking sort of the the kind of violence that we see in the opening sequence by their actions. Um, I mean when. And and I don't know if this is the I think that this is one of the lines that probably isn't subtitled in the uh, unsubtitled version. Um, but uh, when Taj speaks to um, Mustafa, I think for the first time, I think uh, Mustafa says, "Have faith in Allah and keep a hidden pistol," which kind of explains his ideological sort of point of view. I think, which is quite different to Taj, who's very devoted to this, the the code of Pashtunwali. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, did anybody, do you have anything else that you wanted to say? I think I've exhausted my sort of key points in my notes. <laughs> on, on anything hey, in general? Have, or? Yeah, yeah. Any, anything in general that you wanted to wanted to say before we sort of wrap up, head towards wrapping up? Um, uh, well, I mean, just sorry, sort sorry. of, I mean, I was just going to sort of, uh, I mean, do we want to, have we, do we want to sort of say much about, have we spoken about Reynolds? Do we want to say anything about, I mean, I, I was surprised that this was because when I saw it directed by Kevin Reynolds, this was a, um, you know, I was like, what don't, that Kevin Reynolds, Prince yeah. Steve Kevin Reynolds. <laughs> and it, like I said, especially after that first like 20 minutes, I was like, that Kevin Reynolds. And then I went and found, and I was like, "Good Lord, it is! It is, you know, Prince of Thieves, Waterworld, Kevin Reynolds." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's this is quite the departure from you know what he would go on to do with Prince of Thieves." But I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It was a it's 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 an inter- It's a, I thought it was an interesting film, but I just felt you know, I th- well, I think actually we'll, we'll come up to a wrap up sort of thing. We're going to talk about sort of thing our feelings on the film, or do you want to do that or? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pete, do you have, before we do that, do you yeah, have anything else that you want to sort of? Well, it was it was to do with that and 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 the wrap up thing and the and the Kevin Reynolds thing that you know, um, that I I didn't realize I didn't take note of the director until after I finished it. But there was that sense with with the ending um, that um, it, it, at first when I first watched it, there was just a, this this small sense um, that Kovachenko um, will as he's sort of lifted off um you know by the helicopter he's i just got a sense that he's going to go home with a nice souvenir rifle uh, and he's going to get over it um a bit like a student gap year you know he's he's, he's <laughs> sort of a few years down the line he's he's going to get an office job and a family and and he'll forget about all this 
time where you know that time where I went and sort of sympathized with the enemy and and found out about <laughs> human nature and stuff you know a, 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 a sort of like the big chill um sort of revelation uh, of you know oh well we all grow up and you know if 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 people've got a problem with it then you know they they need a sense of humor sort of thing but for me there, it was that then realizing that he directed Fandango, the same director, just exactly, had loads yeah. of yeah. connotations for me because as a teenager, I was obsessed with Fandango. And yeah. it was the what I wanted to do more than anything in my life was drive an old American car around the sort of desert states of America, maybe sort of dig up a, a bottle of uh, something that we'd, we'd buried. Um, but he, uh, and that you know freedom and, and all that sort of, but even within fandango there's that sense of we need to grow out of this sort of thing uh, yeah. and move on um and revisiting the film fandango now i still really like it but there is that sense of t- watching it from a totally different uh, direction and there's a cynicism i think um that's not maybe overtly mentioned in the film but it's something that really sort of fermented overnight um, a bit like Kamansky's brake fluid with his raisins in it or whatever um, <laughs> but, but but since watching it yesterday and I had this thought of oh he's, he's got his nice souvenir rifle you know he took the jacket off that he was given and got off and let the uh, helicopter take him away um, but it really, really sort of grew overnight as I was, as, as I was thinking about it. That there's a cynicism there of uh, a bit like if if you learn, you know, at the end of Dances with Wolves, that Kevin Costner just sort of goes back, um, or, or you know, um, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, goes back. You know, that the, they have these life-changing experiences, uh, learning about human nature and culture and stuff like that. But actually, now I'm just going to go home and i'll get over it yeah that makes sense yeah fandango is a good film but that's that's a criminally sort of forgotten one of the things it's a really good picture that um ad do you have any sort of final thoughts about the beast um i think that i i i'm trying to sort of i, I don't know whether i enjoyed it or not I'm, I'm trying to sort of put my sort of thoughts into order and i've been thinking about it for the past week since watching it um it's like a film of you know it if you looked at a film sort of thing and, you know, your, your typical hero journey or your, your filmic act sort of thing, it really is a film of three acts. And it's yes, like, yeah. you've got your, you know, you've got that, the, the village sequence, you know, to, to open it up with, which seems like some really brutal, horrible war film sort of thing. And then you've got that middle section where, which is kind of, you know, the, the chase and the rationale. The and more, the, yeah. yeah. The pursuits we say, and then there's the, the, I, I, I don't know, the action sequence at the end sort of thing. Um, Cause it's like, we need some action. Um, you know, we need to be chasing the thing. And, and I thought that it's almost that, that third sequence, I think undermines the first mm. two. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, there's that, there's that bit. And, and the bit that really did it for me sort of thing was when they're about to get the, they're about to get it. They've got, they've got in front of it and they've got down into the canyon. Yeah. And then right. um, Sergeant Kovachenko. So, so they're, they're down, they're down in the, in the area sort of thing. And they're, they're in front of it. And there's the pair of them there. And, and one's got the rocket. And then he just runs yeah, off yeah. with the rocket. Yeah. And yeah. like, and it's, it becomes, you know, it's like this, it became a bit silly, yeah. and, uh, you know, and then it was like, Oh, and, and, and then that whole sequence. And then, you know, 
the, the, the women the women turn up and, and obviously stone him to death whatever I, I, I don't know it just felt it felt like a bit all all over the place like i don't know you know you were saying the production of this whether there was you know where the studio went a bit cold on it whether there was some you know the script needed some you know the script needed a bit of ramboing um you know to, to, to sort of bring it more into line with um you know american views view of the you know, soviet thing at the time sort of thing and also you know we need to make these you know the the people of the who are being attacked sort of thing we can't see being seen too clever sort of thing the hero has to be American you know it's still got to be Jason Patrick he's still be the, the the brains behind the whole thing and to have the it, I don't know it, it just felt a bit a bit strange and and that end sequence just felt a bit convoluted and a bit contrived and I think yeah. it kind of undermined the film for me a little mm. bit yeah. I didn't I, I wasn't on board with that with with the tank chase sequence through the uh, through the thing it's like you know the the, the convenience <coughs> of the the, can- the canyon wall being just high enough that they couldn't get the tank, you know, the tank oh, guns yes, high yeah, to yeah. shoot them. And it all just felt like, oh, that's convenient. That's nice, isn't it? That's good. They can run along yeah. beside it sort of thing in a in a thrilling action sequence. And don't get me wrong sort of thing. Reynolds does good action sequences. If this had been from a different film, probably all right. Do you know what else this film reminded me of? Um, strangely sorry. enough, um, Best Defense. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the Eddie Murphy, um, uh, Dust, uh, Dudley Moore, um, yeah, yeah. You know, war film about the dip. I always remember that. It's got to be about the dip. I don't know why I remember that stupid term. Uh, where the, you know that jumping about in time and, and you know out in the, I can't remember what war they're in sort of thing. But that it really reminded me of that for some. It in not in it probably because it's an American movie about tanks. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not, you know, there's the Fury, I suppose, and you know, we're thinking about war films that are about tanks. There's not that many, I guess. Well, uh, they were sort of fairly popular back in the sort of thing. There was that um, Bogart film, Sahara, wasn't it? That's very good. And and yes. and there's an ice cold in Alex. It's not a tank. I know it's a hospital uh, uh, truck, but uh, but again, going through the desert in a vehicle, you know. Uh, yeah. But they're essentially like stagecoach westerns, aren't they? I think tank movies. You know, yes, and uh, that, like, like yeah, like John Ford's stage. Yeah, exactly, sort of thing. But yeah, it really did remind me of that Best Defense, which again, I'm not sure is a film that they probably wanted to draw illusions with because no. Best Defense. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've not gone back to it. I remember quite mm-hmm. enjoying it at the time because I was like 15 or 16 when I watched it, and your your critical faculties are not all quite there, and you don't, you know, you're already fed what's fed to you. Um, but I, I've not gone back to it to have a look and see if it still stands up. It probably doesn't. Um, but I don't know. So but that, was, that but, was shot in Israel as well, wasn't it? Like the Beast of War, best defense, apparently. I think. Well, if you you know if you're an American company sort of thing, you might as well. And you need some desert. It's either <laughs> going to be uh, it's either going to be where is it wherever they filmed Star Wars. Where did they film Star Wars? But that I suppose was, that, uh, Lib- that, was that Libya. I thought it was Algeria. I thought or Tan- Tanzania. No, Tanzania. Algeria. Uh, I thought it's Northern Africa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're going to go to that area, sort of thing, or if you're going to go to Israel, sort of thing. I suppose if you're, you know, from an you know, American company, um, but I don't want to go down that route. That's that's <laughs> that route lies madness. Um, but yeah, I just felt that the the it it just strayed into that kind of action um, for for you know, and I don't think it needed to. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I can see that it it felt like a you know. You know, it may have needed longer. You know, not dances with wolves longer, but it, it falls into that. You know, dances with wolves, man called horse. Those kind of, yeah, those kind of. You know, like you said, are we the bad guys? 
I did quite I did quite enjoy it, but I just felt it it was just a bit undermined. And I and I think you're right, Pete, in that that him just flying off on the helicopter helicopter at the end. Um which also put me in the mind of uh Predator. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, again, that. again, these illusions. This film, I don't think, wants to draw. Just, but as you said, <laughs> you know, your you, your brain works as your brain works. Um, right. You know, and there's that end shot of Arnie in the in the pred- in, in the thing as he goes off, and he looked way more, you know, for as stupid as Predator is, he looked way more traumatized than Jason Patrick did <laughs> in this. Yeah. You know, after everything that he went through. I mean, if I ran over someone in a tank, I would be, you know, quite, I'd be a bit broken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not yeah, not I, uh, not something that you'd recover from quite quickly. Yeah, and, and I think that that shot of him it just got, just flying away in the helicopter, just and that whole last last third, just it did it it weakened what this film was maybe about or trying to say. I'm not sure. That was yeah. my take on it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does feel. I mean, I'd like I'd, I'd love to read the play and and, and uh, you know the the, the 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 sort of the action stuff at the end feels very sort of Hollywood bolt on. I think uh, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, like you say, AD. Um, I mean, Pete, was was that everything that you wanted to say? Or did you have sort of any any sort of final thoughts? Uh, no, uh, I think that's about it. I mean, I, I'd, I'd looked at some uh, briefly some some uh, reviews, and there uh, <laughs> was some like, a really dope movie, and then and then <laughs> contrasted with how the fuck did this does this movie exist? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> a tale of two reviews. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I think in anticipation of the next uh, instalment, I think I've got something to confess. Oh, go on. Yeah. I love a man in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> is that the name of the film we're watching, that's or the, is that just a is that just a, is that just film. something you want to get off your chest, Paul? That's the name of the film. Oh, is uh, it? David, okay. David Wellington's "I Love a Man in Uniform" from nineteen. Uh, another another film I know nothing about. So I think we'll we'll sign off. Say tatty bye. Say tatty bye, kids. Tatty bye, kids. Los Angeles Times calls it a murderously efficient, brutally effective piece of work. The most unusual and absorbing war picture since Das Boot. The performances are remarkable, says Jeffrey Lyons of Sneak Previews. film this side of platoon has been more bold and unflinching in showing the explosive nightmares of combat the christian science monitor the beast is top-notch says the los angeles daily news war made him a soldier conscience made him a man because only the human spirit and conquer the beast of war. Jason Patrick, Stephen Bauer, The Beast, now on video cassette from RCA Columbia Pictures Home Video.